0: This is Melanie Ake, your host for Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 podcast. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today on Everyday Leaders, you'll meet Joanna Bloor, who is a potentialist, adventurer, and inspiring fairy godmother that teaches you how to identify, articulate, and amplify your own destiny. Joanna is a proven everyday leader that is changing the world. Start your personal growth journey today where you can learn how to be an everyday leader in your life. Go to everydayleaders.com. Register for personal growth and development classes so you can develop your own strategies to be a leader in your life. If you're ready for one-on-one accountability, I will walk beside you as your personal coach to help you gain clarity and perspective to lead your life and career as an everyday leader. If you're ready to develop your spiritual growth, you can gather with us for the Everyday Leaders Leadership Devotionals. We meet every day at 7.30 a.m. And we apply these leadership lessons and values to our everyday lives. Go to everydayleaders.com and become a leader that can change the world. Leaders 50 and 50, Joanna Bloor, thank you for joining us today on Everyday Leaders.
1: Thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here.
0: This is awesome. I love when I get connected authentically through other of my inner circle tribe I call. And I got a call from Allison Little and she said, you've got to meet Joanna Bloor. <laughs> and then I realized why, because Aww. you have incredible <laughs> value to bring to my My listeners, my audience is going to absolutely love this interview because you are, you call this the Amplify Lab because there's three things that they're going to learn today, which is identify, articulate, and amplify. And everybody that's going through COVID-19 right now is saying, how do I do that? I don't know who I am. I'm so confused. And so you're the perfect guest (laughs) to be able to help people realize what do they need to do next? So- Thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for teaching us what we need to do next.
1: I am delighted and excited to help. Yeah, really people think a little bit differently and I hope with a little bit of ray of sunshine and actually it could actually get better even if The horrid has happened and you have found yourself without a job and are looking for a new one.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's so true. And if if you guys are listening right now and you have the opportunity to go to Joanna's website, it's Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A-B-L-O-O-R. That's how you spell her name. Go to her website because the first question that's on there that I think is so powerful is thinking about the decisions that are made in the rooms where we are not present
1: Yes, it's a terrifying statement when you think about it, right? I always say to people, every decision made about you and your opportunities is made in a room that you're not in. Um, everything from, do I want to be friends with you? To, do I, do I want to give you a job? Do I want to give you the big promotion? Um, do, do I want to marry you, Right. You get to go on a first date with somebody. Somebody else is going, hmm, I want to engage with you. And the question I always ask people is, well, if that's true, then are you setting yourself up for the best conversation in the room? I mean, actually, the first question is, do they even know you exist? And in the world of work, that conversation in the room and and do they know you exist is actually critically, critically important because right now the only thing for most people, is either you know somebody in the room or they've got a copy of your resume. And um, sometimes I don't think those service very well. And then the second question of that is, if they do know you exist, what are they saying about you? Mm -hmm. And is that what you want them to say? And, uh, you know, I've been, for lack of a better term, obsessed with this idea for as long as I can remember. Um, And so often I have found that, a, people don't even think about what is that conversation. Um, and then B, then go, oh, well, hang on a second. I can I can actually teach other people how to talk about me. And I go, yeah, you absolutely can. And how do you do that without being a jerk or coming across all braggy and gross and all of those things, I think is critically, critically important. And especially in this this modern working world where what you are known for doing is how we get all the opportunities to happen for you. So, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. And the things that you've done, the places that you've worked, you've been able to apply (laughs) all of these lessons. And I was like, you worked where? (laughs) And I thought (laughs) cars.com, Ticketmaster, CitySearch, Pandora, helping all these companies transition, the transformation that happens. And so I love that you're here because it's not just like, oh, this is what I believe. It's like, this is what I've experienced. And this is why I can help you really amplify your own message and who you are in yeah. your character. So, um, so gosh, so take us through like, what does that look like? When you say, I want to look different than I do on paper? How do you do that?
1: Well, so the first step you talked at the beginning about that first step is identify the first step is actually to sit down and go, okay, well, so what is the product of me? Um, because the first thing you have to know is what is the thing that you are, in essence, loaning to other people. Because in the working world, that's what we do: we loan our brain time to each other. Like you are, as somebody who's working for a company, loaning your time, and a company is buying your time. And I'd actually argue that it's not a company; it's an individual who is buying your time. Um, and I always go back to the the basics of friendship. You know. We, when we make friends, we're in essence saying, "I want to give my time to you for free because you're awesome." Um, I say that same sort of thing is how we buy each other. And you know, when you meet somebody new or you meet somebody where you're like, "Oh my God, they're amazing," um, it's your reaction to who they are. And so the first question I always ask is, "Well, what do you want your time to be known for? Like, who are you? What is your thing?" and really go on a deep exploration of that because as people again we don't and it's everything from I when I work with people on this question I will ask all sorts of crazy questions like what were you good at when you were eight because here's one thing that I have found after doing this with thousands of people is the thing that we were really good at when we were a little kid before junior high and the whole thou shalt be judged by one's peers noise that starts rattling around in our head is there was something you were really great at then. And it doesn't matter whether they are an entry level person or an executive, that eight-year-old self is quite frequently still raging around inside them. And if I find out who that is, they usually show up in in their working space. Like mm. I had a um gentleman I was talking to the other day about who he was. And I did the, who were you when you were eight? And he talked about how he used to go camping with his dad all the time. And that was the thing that they did for fun. And he was quite the boy scout and got badges and read maps and learned how to use a compass and really understood terrain and the complexity of mountain ranges, like really, really, um, exciting stuff at the end of the day and I said well where are you a map maker and an adventure guide in the work that you do today and it's like a flip got switched uh, because his work in his eyes, was a tiny bit boring. And I said, well, it's not boring at all. If you put it in the construct of, of map making and adventures and what tools do you need? And, you know, what is the goal when you're going camping? Like, can you can you think about it in that way? And we really saw how his interest as, I think he was probably about nine or 10, actually, at the time, uh, was actually manifesting in how he approached work as a leader, um, how he looked at building teams. And it was such a a common thread for him that I was like, well, gosh, when you are applying for jobs, hiring people, um, building out new teams, whatever, are you talking about this thing that is so fundamentally you um, so that people understand who you are and who it is they're buying? Because this is the other half of the equation on that every decision made about you and your opportunities is made in a room that you're not in is not only does the hiring manager get to choose you, but you get to choose them. Mm -hmm. And when we're super clear about who we are at the beginning, um, then it's infinitely easier for people to see that relate to it and choose us. And I see so often people forgetting that magic thing that is them, the thing that is actually core to who they are and go to all of the things that employers they think the employer thinks they should be good at like i'm a really great team player or i'm really good at getting things done or i'm a great communicator and i look at them and i go those are super boring because you know what in the modern working world those are table stakes skills like you shouldn't be talking about your ability to get stuff done because everybody has to get stuff done and if you're not good at getting stuff done you will be fired. So let's talk about the things that make you unique and different and actually have richness and depthness. And, uh, and while I'm a bit done with the word authentic, because I think it's been a bit <laughs> overused, but what is really you? And it does take a little journey into your past of finding who that is. Now, the other tip, and I'll just kind of give a pro tip to everybody. Uh, Lots of people, when I ask these questions, look at me with a complete look of panic on their face, because they're like, what are you talking about? (laughs) I'm like everybody else, or I don't know. And so then I sit here and say, well, okay, well, if you don't know, because that's actually quite normal, because you live with you all day, and you don't pay attention to why you're amazing, I go, go out and ask somebody. Go find people who know you professionally and say, hey, what am I known for? And if they give you the boring answer of you're known for getting things done, say, well, thanks, because that's my job. But like, what am I doing when I'm clearly taking it up a level or where I'm clearly in flow or where you look at me and go, oh, Melanie, look at you go. Like what's going on there? And have people tell you stories. And that exploration of who you are is probably one of the best things you can do. Um, and then the question then becomes, is that who you want people to know you as? Um, and that's a whole, whole different conversation.
0: Mm. Man, I'm just closing my eyes and thinking like, wow, how powerful this is. I can see you in a room of people and everybody looking around going, wow, <laughs> maybe I didn't want to know this, right? <laughs> There's sometimes
1: a little bit of that. Well, but even the bad stuff, like this is... You know, I think about a lot of this has come from my own journey. And, you know, you talked about my professional career and getting to work with some amazing companies Mm -hmm. Um, and it all actually anchored off my own experience. When I was just 16, I moved from the south coast of England where just to kind of paint a little bit of picture for your listeners, I was going to what can only be described as a school that was like Hogwarts, but didn't have boys or magic. So imagine like a a room full of Hermione's slash Hufflepuff people, but just (laughs) girls in a very old, very Victorian, almost castle sort of situation. It certainly was cold enough to be a castle, uh, which where I had been brought up all of my life, like this was my life. And then we moved to Texas Um, in the middle of August, I I learned what Texas Heat was all about. Um, And I went to a school there who, again, could only be described as like your Friday Night Lights high school. And it was so fantastically different. Like, technically, we were supposed to speak the same, same language. We didn't a lot of the time. But it was so different from all of the social rules and constructs and expectations that I had been brought up with my entire life um, completely got thrown out of the window like the only thing that was consistent in my life other than my immediate family who were around me who were equally as bewildered by this crazy place called Texas which I just found (laughs) endlessly funny and empowering and and all a big and all of the words. Um, but the only rules that stayed true were don't be a jerk and don't hurt anybody. Maybe don't do anything illegal because my stepfather at times said, if you do something illegal, they'll send, be, send you back to England. And I was having far too much fun to go. Oh, I want to go back to England. Um, and when I realized at 16, it was such an age to realize that really, what was at the time quite a painful lesson. It was one of those things where I was like, wait a second, I I don't know anything anymore and every rule. Um, It was an incredibly painful lesson, but it was a painful lesson that taught me the life lesson that has allowed me to have what I only describe as a career adventure rather than a career path because Mm -hmm. all I did was question the rules and say, well, who said I got to do that? You know, my pivot into technology and the startup world was very long time ago. Uh, But at the time I was running a very fancy bathing suit store. I was selling very, very expensive swimwear to very, very rich Texas women. It was fabulous. I had a super good time doing it. Um, We had a fun store and I thought I was gonna have a career in luxury retail. I, I had it all mapped out in my head. And I'll never forget one of my bikini models backstage at a fashion show turned to me and said, you know, Joanna, you're a bit of a nerd. And there's this new thing (laughs) called the internet that I know you're dabbling with. And there's this company looking for people who can help in sales. You should talk to them. And I thought, well, I've got absolutely nothing to lose because who says I need to stay on this path? Who says I need to to do this thing? And I went in and I applied. um, And because my background looked nothing, like what they were recruiting for, they were looking for media experts and people who'd sold software. And here I was walking in going, you know, I was selling scamps of fabric about the size of a handkerchief. Mm -hmm. Um, And they looked at me like, how do you even work? And I was like, do you not understand how hard it is to sell swimwear to a woman? Because she basically has to understand that she has to get comfortable with herself to be able to make the purchase. And I said, so I'm actually selling a harder product than this thing that you are trying to sell here um, because I'm having to get over a much more difficult emotional hurdle with my customers. So if you don't think I can sell your thing, well then you are sadly, sorry, missing something. (laughs) And it was having that conversation about the empathy and understanding of the, in essence, behavioral change That needed to happen when buying swimwear. And how I saw that is is exactly the same as the empathy and understanding that you need when you are having to learn a new technology or a new product was why I got the job. And then they were like, oh, hang on a second, this girl really is a nerd. And I got to do all sorts of crazy things. And and my career kind of took off from there. Um, But it was that instead of coming in and saying, like, here are my here are my skills, here's all the stickers and badges and labels that I've been given over my life, which is how I think we talk about people and their talents today. I said, yeah, whatever on the stickers and labels, you think they mean one thing, but in your world, they actually could mean this completely different thing. And this is why I'm actually uniquely qualified to do the thing that you want me to do. And so like, stop labeling me and actually understand how I think (laughs) as opposed to what I do. And then decide, again, that decision made in a room that you're not in, decide whether you want to choose my brain time in the future as opposed to what I've been what I've done in the past. And I use that, you know, I think I was 25 at the time, full of vinegar and energy and confidence. Um I use that same approach to really understanding. What did they want my brain to do in the future? Like what problem were they really trying to solve as opposed to what stickers and labels I had for every single job that I had from there out. So much so that like, I think about the interview I had at Pandora. Gosh, now I think like almost nine or 10 years ago, I was there when Pandora was fairly little and right before their kind of big growth moment. And I will never forget, I was talking with the CEO of Pandora at the time, a wonderful guy named Joe Kennedy, who I am eternally grateful for because we had a good time together working. And um, the job description they had in front of me was for a vice president of ad technology. Now, I'm sure you're listeners are all like, what the hell is that job? (laughs) They don't even need to know. It's, uh, It's as weird and technical sounding as the title sounds. Again, a very strange label for a job. And I knew going into talk to Pandora that if they were where they were in their strategic growth and what they were trying to do with their business, they didn't actually want a VP of ad technology at that time they actually needed something completely different. And I knew I was uniquely qualified to be that something completely different. And so when I sat down with Joe, he uh, asked me the question, he said, his very first question to me was, so Joanna, do you think we should replace DoubleClick as the ad serving system? Which I will also say for a VP of ad tech role would be a very appropriate question. And I turned to him and I said, you know, Mr. Kennedy, I'm super sorry, but I think you're asking the wrong question. And he was a bit surprised. surprisingly and I said would you like me to tell you what I think the right question is and why and he was like I am intrigued and I said do you mind if I draw it on a whiteboard and he was like I'm even more intrigued and so I got up and then proceeded to tell him like my Theory about where I thought the company was because this was a senior role, right? Mm-hmm. Where I thought the company was, where I thought it was going, how I thought it had gotten there, and some assumptions I had. And I said, you know, these are assumptions, but correct me if I'm wrong. And he kept nodding the whole way through it. And I said, you know, if this is your situation, actually, what you want to do is X. And I said, and to be able to do X, you have to understand A, B, and C. And I talked him through how I thought about what it was they needed to do in the future. And at the end of it, I said, look, this is the framework for how I think. And I said, where this then becomes a collaboration is I get to learn from you about what is unique and different and wonderful about Pandora and the people at Pandora and their unique challenges. And I said, it's the combination of those that will actually allow you to scale your business. And at the end of it, he looked at me and he said, oh no, we want that. And I said, well, great, then step one is let's tear up the job description because it's not the one for the job we just described. And uh, and I got to come into Pandora and with an amazing team of people do exactly, actually build the entire vision. And I remember having lunch with Joe, gosh, probably six months after I left Pandora. And he looked at me and he said, you know that thing you draw on the board for me the first day we met? And I said, yes. And he goes, did you build it? And I was like, yeah, I did. And he goes, wow. And I said, I know, it was great. And I sit here and I go, that, now, granted, I was, you know, I had been doing this a while. I sit here and I go, for everybody who's looking for work, that is what we all should be aspiring to, that Mm -hmm. balance of, again, coming back to this, who are you and what is it you want? It's this balance of confidence around your abilities and your experiences with curiosity and excitement about what is the thing we're going to build. And when you are playing in that space, when you are like, look, I know my stuff, but I'm also really open and excited about the future. You are open, excited about collaboration, competition becomes less of an issue, office politics goes down, like all of the nonsense that we usually have to worry about isn't there. And when your boss, and in this case, Joe Kennedy, um, believes in both the credibility of your experience and the potential of what you could do, well, they generally get out your way and let you do this amazing thing. And work shifts from being this, uh, you know, drudgery, I've, I'm doing work to this unbelievable adventure. And I sit here and I say, you know, this whole idea of why is it important for you not only to identify who that is, and then, and this, the next step is then tell people who that is. That's the articulate piece. Actually, teach other people what, not only unique thing that you bring to the table, but what is your potential, then people will let you be you. And it's so much fun. Um, it's a lot of hard work. I will not say that any of my jobs have been uh, easy by any stretch of the imagination, but they've been immensely fulfilling because they're at that beautiful moment in your career where, you know, your experience and your curiosity at balance. And I think, you know, when everybody talks about, their career, I sit here and I go, is that what you're optimizing for? Because optimizing for title, optimize, well, compensation's important. And we could have a whole extra podcast about how to negotiate (laughs) and use some of these concepts and getting paid for what you do, which I think is equally important. But we all know that the title and the money part are empty measures of success. And it's actually the adventure that we're all looking for. So you figure out who it is and then you turn around and you actually teach people who you are going to be in the future. I call that the future you. And then people can go, ah, oh, I want you to be that person in the future. And you get to, you get to have your dream job and or not really know and figure out your dream job as you go along, which is, let's be real, what 90% of us do most of the time anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. But a lot of people that That's are listening very long answers no, no. <laughs> for a whole bunch of stuff. But this was amazing because I think there's so many people that are listening to this now that go, but how do I do that? Like, how do I show up and say, I believe in myself enough to go through that process and take charge, right? And say, here's yeah. the whiteboard. Let me show you what I believe. Because it's all, I, I believe it's all about our beliefs and without yep. making someone else feel threatened, right? And so a lot of the times, and I've experienced this in corporations where you're doing everything to create your dream and, and show the whiteboard and you've got the leaders on the team but there's one person that may have this fear of what you are doing that may create something different than what they see. And so that's where this kind of corporate struggle comes, right? And so yeah. you you have to con uh, just constantly show them that it's for the betterment of the team. And it's actually
1: with you a little bit. Talk to me about that. That's, so this is where um, this is where I think we've been telling everybody a bit of a fib Um, because we're all like, show your work, show your work, show the results of all of this sort of stuff. And we're forgetting that that's assuming you understand why the other person is going to care. So I always sit here, you know, this is, uh, I come back to this, especially when you're selling ideas, Because that's what you're doing. When you're saying, let me be me, you're selling your ideas. And if you think your ideas are great, I would hope you think that's where the confidence piece comes in. But here's the thing. If somebody else doesn't see the potential in your idea, it doesn't matter what results you are throwing at them. They're still not going to get it. Um, you know, I think about like a really practical example is I don't, you remember when, uh, Google glasses came out mm-hmm. a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and there was this terrible people were called glass holes and all sorts of other rude things. And <laughs> what happened with that product is, and I actually got to play with it and meet some of the people at Google, um, who did the very hard sell on why it was a fantastic product and I should get one. And I was like, I don't get it. I didn't see the potential and it didn't matter what song and dance they did with me, I wouldn't, and nor did a lot of people. Whereas you flip that around and you think about the the iconic launch of the iPhone and you can almost hear in the audience, if you listen to the speech that Steve Jobs did with the audience, when it, the very first iPhone, which if you go back that far, it was really not that moment. It was jazzy and exciting for the moment. But nowadays we're like, what are you talking about? It doesn't flush the toilet for me anymore. This is terrible. Uh, but the very first iPhone, he said, I think it was, three times that it was a phone it was the internet and it was music in one thing before the audience got it and when they got it there was an audible gasp Mm -hmm. in the audience Mm -hmm. because they saw the potential and that's the thing when I think about so you remember how I said at the beginning that I'm always like break the rules uh I think we have been teaching people that the way to get ahead Um, In the best of way. I'm not talking about the not so awesome way. I'm assuming everybody listening are cool, awesome people. (laughs) Um, But in, you know, we've all been taught that if you check all the boxes, if you do the work and get an A, well, then you get the gold star. You get the level up Um, through both, through everything, through school, through our entertainment, through our gaming Everything is about follow the rules and you'll level up. Don't follow the rules and you die, right? It's what happens in a video game. And um, and in the workplace, we've all been like, look, just show them the results, show them the results. And I sit here and I go, you can say result all day, but if they don't understand the potential of the result, you, they'll never get on the same page. And so what I say to people, when you have somebody who is a little bit more challenging to get on your along with your idea, is then you actually need to back up, stop talking about your idea and the fabulous results of your idea, and or try to stop trying to get other people to convince them that this is the thing to do and actually come back and have a conversation about not only your potential, but the potential of the idea. Um, I actually use this scenario a lot with some of my braver clients, not all of them will do this because this makes people a little scared and I understand. Um, but when you're going, you know, part of the work that I do is I actually handhold people all the way through this process from I have no idea all the way through to now I can teach other people why I'm awesome. We literally give you the language when you go through the, the value adventure with us. We'll go, look, this is what you need to say, go say it and teach you how to do that. But uh, one of the steps is we actually take you through the market research process of how do you figure out who you are? And for my brave clients, I, I asked them to recruit somebody who is not a fan. I said, go find somebody who knows you professionally, who you've either had a contentious relationship with, who is the person who might not be saying awesome things about you in the room that you're not in. Like all of those things, somebody who, but is also somebody who, if you could build a bridge between you and them, if you could actually turn this relationship around and have a positive future, then things would actually be fantastic. It's not about just the, what do I want out of that equation? It's actually about if we could actually get on the same page around the future, I can see their potential too. If it's one-sided, if it's just for, I want them to like me, it'll never work. It, it's a, I want us to like each other more mm-hmm. is is the approach. And, um, and so I said to them, I say, recruit them into the process. And actually this, the process to a certain extent also teaches and reteaches, not only your fans who are actually really easy to reteach mostly, um, but the people who are not super fans of you, where your potential is, um, and how they can collaborate in the future, and it transforms the conversation because when, when you think about, uh, if I like, I ask all of your listeners to think about a relationship that once was contentious and isn't any anymore, and those do happen once in a while. What happened for almost everybody is that that threatening thing that you were talking about disappears. And you can only be threatened by somebody if you think that they are the same as you or might have something like it's there's something that you are you are competing for time or space or money like there's a scarcity going on. And if you both come to the table and say, look, let's look at how our potential is unique. And this is one of my fundamental beliefs is the millennials have it right we are all unique special snowflakes and we are um if you can actually show how you're complementary, then all of the competition nonsense goes out of the window I'm not saying you're not going to disagree in the future but at least you will agree on the potential and you know I'm a big fan of somebody vehemently disagreeing with me at times because it makes me really do the work on my ideas as opposed to to going shallow
0: mm-hmm that's such great advice. And I love that's why I pose that question because there are so many people in in life right now that are going through like, oh, we experienced this, right? And then our situation changed, our environment changed, our team changed. And there's people that are bullying or they're positioning for different people. And yeah. and so it's it's really critical. Like right now is the time that people need to be thinking about this. And so if they need to show up differently and they just need to create that conversation about what it is they can do to be an adventurer and take that yeah. take that vision right in and make that a part of the, the solution. And so that is just so cool. And uh, you're so energizing. And I love this because I think about all the things that you've done. And so you've got the experience to back it up. It's not just like, well, I think you should do it this way, right? It, it's proven. <laughs>
1: you can Yeah, no, I've tested almost everything on myself. I'm also, I will also give them a big, big shout out uh you know the team at Pandora, well all of the teams I've worked with have been amazing. but the team in Pandora really helped me find out who I was. Um, you know, I rolled into Pandora with this idea that I I understood everything about the media supply chain, which is what my area of expertise was at the time. And um, over I think it was about a three and a half year four year period, my team went from 30 people to 400. Mm uh, supporting revenues of a hundred million to a billion dollars. It was a little crazy. Uh, so we were growing at, like, when you think about how, how many people you have to hire every practically day to have that sort of a growth. And, uh, my team was, uh, really and on purpose we did this strategically the farm team for the company as well like our I had a lot of entry-level positions in our organization we did that on purpose because we saw all sorts of opportunity and so the average age of my team was 27 usually one maybe two jobs out of college there were some people who had a little bit more experience and so while my role was, yes, to build the strategy to optimize our media supply chain at Pandora, a very technical description, my other really big job was figuring out how to scale this team of people and keep the the culture and the personality and the beautifulness of human talent intact where basically everything was at warp speed all the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, they taught me such a lesson about individuality and the importance of recognizing individuality. And then really like I knew personally that I was, a—I consider myself, I call myself a potentialist um, when I go out and I talk to people. Like I can, I have built my career in being able to predict the potential of something in the future and then putting myself into that project and going, I see this being a thing in the future. I'm going to go play in that space. Um, What Pandora, the experience of Pandora let me do is instead of doing it for myself and being a bit selfish about the whole thing, I I had 400 people I got to do it with. And uh, what I got known for, and I only found this out after I left, is they said that there was a thing called the Joanna Touch, where, because we worked in these big open space offices, apparently I would just randomly, it was never random, but I would walk up to these young people, and I'd stand by their desk and I'd be like, hi, so just a heads up, you know how you're doing this job today? Well, I've been watching you and listening to you in meetings and I've been hearing what other people have been saying about you. And I think you should go play with this team over here because you are showing the potential to be really good at whatever the thing is that I would send them off to. And and I'd be, don't worry about it. Like, I'm sure you're like, wait a second, what just happened here? Is this like, did I just get promoted? Like, I don't understand. And I said, other people are going to come behind me and we'll make this all work. I know it's going to be weird and different. Don't be scared. It'll be great. And the, apparently I just, I, I don't think I was really thinking about it at the time, but I went around and I did this a lot. <laughs> um, and, uh, and apparently they all talked about it behind my back. They're all, I'm like, Oh my God, who did Joanna go talk to today? And What happened was a couple of things. Like I remember um, one of the women who was actually a direct report of mine. So she was quite senior. She was a director on the team, came up to me after we'd done, I was like, no, 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 you shouldn't be doing this. You should do this other thing. Like I see, um, she actually ended up building our entire learning development team at at Pandora. Um, And she came up to me randomly one day, like I think six months, a year after she'd gotten the job and she looked at me and she goes, I had no idea I hated my job because now I love it. And I, you know, I get goosebumps now thinking about it. And I was like, really? I was like, I'm so glad. Um, and I, you know, I look at the, I still stalk all of the people who used to work with me at Pandora. And I go, look at them go because they're all heading into really different careers and paths. And when I, I left Pandora, I didn't know I was going to make this my profession, that actually being a potentialist for others was really what I was called to be. And I was talking with my right hand guy, this guy named Chris, who was at Pandora. We were having a cocktail after hours, just kind of catching up. Um, He was still there and I was off being myself and doing crazy things. And I explained to him that I'd had this, this experience where I'd realized that I was pretty good at not only identifying the potential in somebody else, but then also giving them the language To teach others what their potential could be so that they could in essence actually do their dream job and he looked at me and started to laugh and i'm like what is so funny and he goes don't you know that that's who you are he goes there's not a person on the planet that's worked with you who's surprised by this and that's why i always come back to myself going what wait like i had no idea i looked at him and i was like wait what are you kidding and he goes no he goes i know you think that you know, understanding the media supply chain is what was valuable for you at Paidor. And he goes, it wasn't. He goes, it was this other very weird, slightly unnerving thing that just transformed how we worked as a team. And he goes, and you taught everybody else how to do it too. And it just meant that we, we ended up having a blast because we didn't have the competition nonsense mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everybody got to be themselves. And it felt like a big adventure. I will also say... The leadership at Pandora, you know, Tim Westergren, who was the founder and Joe Kennedy and the rest of the executive team absolutely embraced that culture and set the tone of that as well. Like they were very much um, what I would call believers of, and I don't think they knew it either, but believers of what could you be. all, all the way through to every single person in the organization, and that—that's what made that experience magical. And so I look at the blueprint, the the blueprint that I was shown and learned at Pandora, because again, while I had expertise, I was still curious and learning. What I learned at Pandora really helped me launch into who I am today, and gives me an enormous amount of empathy for people who were like, "Wait a second, no, I copied that. What are you talking about?" Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, I talk about how you should act especially if you were in the job search actually if you're struggling at all like the reality is unless if you were listening to this and you're like I am really confident in my expertise and I am really curious and excited about the future well then this was a fun show for you to listen to you're all good if you are either not confident about what you're doing um, or not curious about what your future is going to be well these are the two places where where having a shift happens and especially in the confidence area, because you have to believe in you too, is actually building yourself a little squad of people. Um, And instead of saying, oh, I need mentors. And I, oh, I'm so done with that word too, because I think it (laughs) doesn't actually describe a real job. Um, I say, go find yourself a potentialist. Go find somebody who can predict who you can be in the future. And a potentialist is somebody who has no ego in the game isn't doing it for them and is doing it for the sheer joy and fun of what could you be. And now they have to have have experience in what could you be as well, a little bit. Um, I also tell people to go find an amplifier. Um, it's really hard to brag about yourself. It's not so hard to brag about somebody else. So go find somebody who's all like, yes, I will talk about you all day and go teach them what to say. Right. Um, plus, You know, I tell lots of people, like one of the exercises we do for people who need confidence, I go, look every day, tell one person what genius thing you did today. And they're like, what are you talking about? I said, it could be anything. You know, I uh, two days ago, I told my husband that I was a no code genius. And he looked at me and he goes, I don't even know what that is. And I said, doesn't matter. It's fantastic. And I am. And it's not because I was bragging. It was because I was telling myself the story that I am actually really good at no code, which I'm not, I'm terrible at it, but I'm learning and I'm trying to convince myself that I'm (laughs) great at it. So you find yourself an amplifier. So you have a potentialist, you have an amplifier um, and then you have somebody who is a bit of a realist who can go, and I call these people your mirror. And mirrors, and I know uh, in learning about you, you believe in mirrors too. Mirrors are people, because it's so hard to see who you are and how you are landing with other people. But mirrors are these unbelievably empathetic, kind people who want the very best for you. And you know who those people are in your life. Um, They hold up a mirror and they say, you know what, when you do that, this is what I see. And what mirrors do for you is they give you an example of what other people might be reacting to. Now, I'm going to give you a tiny pro tip. If you were going, Oh, hang on a second. Who all are those people? Um, your family members can be no, none of these roles. Plus your bestie of 20 to 30 years or however long your bestie is, we could also not be that role because here's where like, I love moms. I love my own mom, but a, my mother to this day really doesn't understand what I do for a living. She's delighted and proud, but she's like, I just, I don't get it. And she never, I don't think she ever will. And that's okay, because that's not her job. She has a very different job for me. Um, And because of that, she can't actually, like I'm sure she thinks she could think about what my potential would be. And she doesn't understand the construct and the people who are in my environment. So I I allow moms just to be moms. Um, Siblings could be a mirror. If they have, if they understand what you professionally do, siblings are actually really good at it because you know at the end of the day, or at least I hope so, that siblings ultimately care. Um, your besties uh, tend to know a little too much about your deep, deep, dark, slightly naughty secrets, and unfortunately, those can color things a little bit, uh, especially when you're thinking about amplifying your potential. And I do think your friends should, you know, I love a lot of the friends that I've made at work, but I do like to keep those a little bit separate Um, and actually just letting your friends be the potential for play and the potential for gaming and the potential for all the other things. And so I do, when you're doing this, trying to find a potentialist, a mirror or an amplifier, I sit here and I go like, who are those people in your workplace? Um, And it doesn't necessarily have to be a colleague today. And it also doesn't have to be somebody more senior than you. My best mirrors have always been my team, always.
0: Mm -hmm. Because you are such a part of that. And I think, you know, that energy, we always say the energy that we bring into the room, you know, we create that. So we step into that room and and we really need to just show up and having this confidence and realizing like, hey, this is our time. And if we not selfish, right, It's, it's even talking about personal development, like if you invest in yourself, some people would say that's selfish. Yeah. It's not. No. You've got to grow, no. right? You've got to grow. Well, again, who
1: said that the rule of like, you think about how many hours you invest in you yes. all the way through school. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're done with school and you're done investing like fooey. Yeah. on that. Like, and the, who said? The
0: momentum stops, spend, right? Yeah. You, you're like, you have to keep going and keep growing yeah. and and so I love this conversation because there is so much that we can learn from you. Oh, I know. We go. No, you. but I all... could go
1: on forever. On oh, this my stuff. gosh. Bit...
0: Joanna, you're awesome. I really I absolutely love this because, you know, the people that are listening to this program are begging for things like what you're talking about today. They want to recreate you. themselves. They want to be able to show up and say, who is that cheerleader that I need to get in the room with me? So that they can go to the next room and they can tap somebody on the shoulder and go, this is the person that you need for that. This is going to be great. And see that potential, that hope, that energy, that joy to bring that back into whatever this new workplace is going to look like, (laughs) right? Whether it's even virtual, you can do it. You can lift others up and you can celebrate. Uh, And that's what Everyday Leaders is all about. (laughs) This is exactly uh, your you're perfect for this audience. And so I really, I love that you've shared all this tonight. And I want to make sure um, I talked about this at the beginning of the show, but for people that uh, may have just kind of connected to this, you, you skim through the first part, Joanna Bloor, J O A N N A B L O O R. You want to go to her website, check this out because if you are searching for the message, the conversation that you're having with yourself first, and how to figure out what your potential is and how to get a team around you so that you can excel your ideas. Oh, my goodness. This is just a process. (laughs) And and you can do it, and you can climb to your dreams. That's the thing. You can develop and climb to your dreams, and it just takes the first step. step.
1: I challenge everybody because I know that what I ask people to do They're just like, oh, I can't do that. Um, It's the first reaction everybody has at the beginning. We, uh, I also call myself the fairy godmother because I love sequins more than life itself. I think they're super fun and any reason to wear them is a good idea. And so we have a live show every Friday at noon Pacific time where I come on as the fairy godmother. And each week we talk about something a little bit different in the career path, whether it's Um, how to think about what resumes should really look like or, you know, how to build confidence, whatever it is that we think is important for our community. And every week within that show, and I know we didn't have an opportunity to do it tonight, um, we do one of my famous live transformations. And you can actually see a video of me doing it on stage with this absolutely fabulous woman called Fatima that I did at a conference last year, but literally show people how just with a couple of questions, we can identify articulate and then talk about why you are uniquely awesome and what is your your value language and we do that with one of the audience members and so um, lots of people come to those shows and just come as a visitor the first couple of times because they're like oh my god this is a lot because we do a lot of crazy stuff and we have fun um it's like a friday afternoon party uh, but we do that and then you get to see the transformation so people can actually see Um, the difference it makes and you know because I'm a bit of nerd at the end of the day we actually have everybody vote and currently the before average on how do you answer the question what do you do is about a five point score of a 5.2 out of 10 and I am running right now at an average of a 9.2 on the after score after it's been transformed by the fairy godmother (laughs) on their score so you know if you want to get a what is that 40% improvement on just how you answer the question what do you do come to the show Mm.
0: Amazing, amazing. So we we can get to that on your website too, right? We can find yes, out about it's that. Yes, all
1: there. Yeah, you can see that. Perfect,
0: perfect, ends. perfect. Ugh, Joanna, we are going to be friends for life. I love this, and I want to invite you. I do personal growth live segments on um, on my live broadcast and all my YouTube channels and things. So I want to bring you on. That would be really fun to do live. We should do
1: a makeover on somebody. Transform. Mm. Can we get somebody to transform? Can we do it on somebody else?
0: Absolutely absolutely Hooray. yes my
1: favorite thing to do
0: this would be great oh we're gonna have so much fun together <laughs> man thank you so much for coming on the show tonight so joanna go to her website uh, if you have anything about the show notes go to the show notes subscribe to every day leaders 50 and 50 podcasts go there on your players whatever you're listening to it right now subscribe leave us some information what did you think about the show? And connect to Joanna because this is really, really great. Join our Facebook group, Everyday Leaders uh, on Facebook and uh, go to everydayleaders.com and subscribe to my website because you'll find out about all these amazing people that are coming on. You can connect to them as well on the link. So, Joanna, thank you so very much for coming on. You are an everyday leader. I'm so happy to celebrate you. And just oh, thank you. all of the wonderful things that you're bringing to all of us. And we need to remember it's about celebrating your gifts, finding your value language so that you can really step into your ideas and your dreams and uh, and really live the life you're expected to. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much, Joanna. Have a great week. And uh, I can't wait to do this transformation on our live event.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Melanie. Thank
0: you. This has been a Joe Ake Studios production.